On the second day of July, 1776, the Old Continental Congress, to the dismay of the lovers of ease and the worshippers of property, clothed that dreadful idea with all the authority of national sanction. They did so in the form of a resolution, and as we seldom hit upon resolutions drawn up in our day whose transparency is at all equal to this, it may refresh your minds and help my story if I read it. Resolved that these united colonies are and of right ought to be free and independent states, that they are absolved from all allegiance to the British crown, and that all political connections between them and the state of Great Britain is and ought to be dissolved. Citizens, your fathers made good of this resolution. They succeeded, and to today you reap the fruits of their success. The freedom gained is yours, and you, therefore, may properly celebrate this anniversary. The 4th of July is the first great fact in your nation's history. The very ring bolt and the chain on your yet undeveloped destiny. Pride and patriotism, not less than gratitude, prompt you to celebrate and to hold it in perpetual remembrance. I have said that the Declaration of Independence is the ring bolt to the chain of your nation's destiny, so indeed I regard it. The principles contained in that instrument are saving principles. Stand by those principles. Be true to them on all occasions and in all places, against all foes and at whatever cost. From the round top of your ship of state, dark and threatening clouds may be seen. Heavy billows like mountains in the distance disclose to the leeward huge forms of flinty rocks. That bolt drawn, that chain broken, and all is lost. Cling to this day, cling to it, and to its principles, with the grasp of a storm-tossed mariner to a spare at midnight. The coming into being of a nation in any circumstances is an interesting event, but besides general considerations, there were peculiar circumstances which make the advent of this republic an event of special attractiveness. The whole scene, as I look back to it, was simple, dignified, and suppling. The population of the country at the time stood at the insignificant number of three million. The country was poor in the munition of war, the population was weak and scattered, and the country a wilderness unsubdued. There were no means of concert and combination such as exist now. Neither steam nor lightning had been uh, reduced to order and discipline. From the Potomac to the Delaware was a journey of many days. Under these and innumerable other disadvantages, your fathers declared for liberty and independence and triumphed. Fellow citizens, I am not warning and respect for the fathers of this republic. The signers of the Declaration of Independence were brave men. They were great men too, great enough to give fame to a great age. It does not often happen to a nation to raise at one time such a number of truly great men. The point from which I am compelled to view them is not certainly the most favorable and yet I cannot contemplate 
their great deeds with less than admiration. They were statesmen, patriots, and heroes, and for the good they did and the principles they contended for, I will unite with you to honor their memory. They loved their country better than their own private interests, and though this is not the highest form of human excellence, all will concede that it is a rate, a rare virtue, and that when it is exhibited, it ought to be command respect. He who will intelligently lay down his life for his country is a man whom it is not in human nature to despise. Your fathers staked their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor on the cause of their country. and their admiration of liberty, they lost sight of all other interests. They were peacemen, but they preferred revolution to peaceful submission to bondage. They were quiet men, but they did not shrink from agitating against oppression. They showed forbearance, but they knew its limits. They believed in order, but not in the order of tyranny. With them, nothing was settled that was not right. With them, justice and liberty and humanity were final, not slavery and oppression. You may well cherish the memory of such men. They were great in their day and generation. Their solid manhood stands out and more as we contrast it with these degenerate times. How circumspect, exact, and proportionate were all their movements. How unlike the politicians of an hour, their statesmanship looked beyond the passing moment and stretched away in strength into the distant future. They seized upon eternal principles and set a glorious example in their defense. Mark them. Fully appreciating and hardship to be encountered, firmly believing in the right of their cause, honorably inviting the scrutiny of an onlooking world, reverently appealing to heaven to attest their sincerity, soundly comprehending the solemn responsibility they were about to assume, wisely measuring the terrible odds against them. Your fathers, the fathers of this republic, did most deliberately under the inspiration of a glorious patriotism and with a sublime faith in the great principles of justice and freedom lay deep the cornerstone of the national superstructure which has risen and still rises in grandeur around you. Of this fundamental work this day is the anniversary our eyes are met with demonstrations of joyous enthusiasm. Banners and pennants have waved exultingly on the breeze. The din of business, too, is biz is hushed. Even Mammon seems to have quit his grasp of this day. The ear-piercing fife and the stirring drum unite their accents with the ascending peal of thousand church bells. Prayers are made, hymns are sung, and sermons are preached in honor of this day, while the quick marital tramp of a great and multitudinous nation, echoed back by all the hills, valleys, and mountains of a vast continent, bespeak the occasion 
one of thrilling and universal interests, a nation's jubilee. Friends and citizens, I need not enter further into the causes which led to this anniversary. Many of you understand them better than I do. You could instruct me in regard to them. That is a branch of knowledge in which you feel, perhaps, a much deeper interest than your speaker. The causes which led to the separation of the colonies from the British crown have never lacked for a tongue. They have all been taught in your common schools, narrated in your firesides, up unfold from your pulpits and thundered from your legislative halls, and are as familiar to you as household words. They form the staple of your national poetry and eloquence. I remember also that as a people, Americans are remarkably familiar with all facts which make in their favor. This is esteemed by some as a national trait, perhaps a national weakness. It is a fact that whatever makes the wealth or the reputation of Americans and can be had cheap will be found by Americans. I shall not be charged with slandering Americans. If I say I think the American side of any question may be safely left in American hands, I leave, therefore, the great deeds of your fathers to your gentlemen, whose claim to have been regularly descended will be likely to be disputed than mine. My business, if I have any here today, is with the present. The accepted time with God and his cause is the ever-living now. We have to do with the past only as we can make it useful to the present and to the future, to all inspiring motives, to noble deeds which can be gained from the past, we are welcome. But now is the time, the important time, your fathers have lived, died, and have done their work and have done much of it well. You live and must die and you must do your work. You have no right to enjoy a child's share in the labor of your fathers unless your children are in to be best by your labors. You have no right to wear out and waste the hand or the heart-earned fame of your fathers to cover your indolence. Sidney Smith tells us that the men seldom eulogize the wisdom of virtues of their fathers, but to excuse some folly of wickedness of their own. This truth is not a doubtful one. There are illustrations of it near and remote, ancient and modern. It was fashionable hundreds of years ago, for the children of Jacob to boast. We have Abraham to our father when they had long lost Abraham's faith and spirit. That people contend themselves under the shadow of Abraham's great name while they repudiated the deeds which made his name great. Need I remind you that a similar thing is being done all over the country today? Need I tell you that the Jews are not the only people who built the tombs of the prophets and garnished the sepulchres of the righteous? Washington could not die till 
he had broken the chains of his slaves. Yet this monument is built up by the price of human blood, and the traitors in the bodies and souls of the men shout. We have Washington to our father, alas, that it should be so, yet so it is. Okay, this is my personal commentary. I find uh, what uh, Frederick Douglass just said to the people to be interesting because he's trying to give them examples of your forefathers fought to be America and they had to fight the British in order to become America. Now here we are, slaves that have been brought to America and some of course born in America by that time but they're not given the same rights as all the other citizens. So he's appealing to them to understand this is how your forefathers felt about Britain. And now we feel a similar way because we're in the country of what we call America. And we have, we say we appreciate the Bible and Christianity but are we behaving as if we were truly Christian? Or are we behaving just with whatever we want to do? So this reminds me of John the eighth chapter, and I'm just gonna to read to you the 38th through the 47th verse. And this is actually Jesus talking to people who say they are Abraham's children. So. It reminds me of what Douglas is saying to the Americans. It says on, at the 38th verse, I'm telling you what I've seen when I, saw, when I am with the Father, but you are doing what you've heard from your Father. So Jesus is saying, when I'm with Father God, I'm telling you what I've seen. <clears throat> now they replied, our Father is Abraham. Jesus responded, if you were Abraham's children, you would be Abraham, you would do Abraham's works. Instead, you want to kill me, though I am the one who has spoken the truth. I heard from God, Abraham didn't do this. You are doing your father's work. They said, our ancestry isn't in question. The only father we have is God. Jesus replied, if God were your father, you would love me. For I came from God, here I am. I haven't come on my own, God sent me. Why don't you understand what I'm saying? It's because you can't really hear my words. Your father is the devil. You are his children and you want to do what your father wants. He was a murderer from the beginning. He has never stood for the truth because there is no truth in him. Whenever the, that liar speaks, he speaks according to his own nature, because he's a liar and the father of liars. Because I speak the truth, you don't believe me. Who among you can show I'm guilty of sin? Since I speak the truth, why don't you believe me? God's children listen to God's words you don't listen to me because you aren't God's children. 
And so that is something for us to think about because as we go on with Douglas' speech, we will see that Douglas has some points that he really wants to get across as it relates to um, the foundations that America, the colonists found America on. So he's now challenging some of those uh, rules and regulations and also the scriptures that they claim to uh, cater to.